Hello and welcome to Writing About Dragons and Shit, a podcast where two authors and a writer get together and talk about the ways that they tell stories. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, writer of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms and host of too many podcasts. With me each week are two amazing people who are. I'm Aaron M. Evans. I write fantasy novels. I break microphones. <laughs> I sound like yeah. Vecna today. Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, that's hot. Second of all, yes, we have been beset by an anomalous amount of technical hey, issues. Hey, girl, give me your lich voice. You know, I'm like, what's up? Give me a, I, li I like it when it's all raspy. <laughs> I like to hear the decay. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Sorry. And who are you? That's, that's just going to happen. All right. I mean, the number one Vecna enthusiast. Um, <laughs> being able I brought the world douchebag Vecna and now sexy Vecna. That is true. <laughs> gotta, gotta have both. Hey, man, I got broy grots. You can have douchebag Vecna. Yeah. Uh, or or uh, as uh, as as VMUs at work today uh, uh, called it because so, uh, <laughs> somehow they're talking about plural Vecnas and she would. Oh, Vecna. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so that yeah. is now the that is now the plural of a Vecna is Vecna. The Vecna, that's acceptable. <laughs> when I got, I had to put Vecna in when I was writing Idol Champions. I had to put Vecna in, and I decided just to make him a massive douchebag. I love when it. he leaves. He says Vecna out every yeah. time. I love it so. I mean, if anybody I don't take would, anything though. seriously, right? Yeah, it brings seriously. me great joy. Yeah, I love that. Joy. That adventure is probably the best thing I ever wrote. <laughs> and I do include Alabaster Booty Club in that. So. <laughs> I don't. Eh. That one's for the. That one's for the real old school fans. That yeah. is. They. Uh, <laughs> that one. That one was organic in the moment, though. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, that yep. was, it yeah. was. Um, Wizard Alabaster Booty Club. My boy. I think we get, I think we did all the intros. I don't know. We got we we tangented we it right are. at the beginning. We, we, um, we didn't get who we didn't get who you are. I, 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 I'm he right does. He did his for real. Yeah. Well, but I I thought I thought he did his in the time that we just undid. Did uh -huh. he do it for like for real real? Yeah, we did yeah. for real real. What's up and all welcome? Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Speaking of for real, is, real, who are you? We got some questions that are for real, real. Because uh, we're continuing our questions episodes. Hooray! Uh, and Erin is going to do her best Please to read these, questions. and if not, I'll take over uh, and stumble through them. Uh, <laughs> Please. But... Please continue. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. With Hello, Tangenauts. Ooh, Tangenauts. Mm, I absolutely cool. love this show. Having, hearing your perspectives and real-life examples of how you guys go about dress, addressing writing problems has been really inspirational and a large part of what helped me through finishing my first and even second draft, What hey. Can't You Do? Hey. of my first fantasy novel. Congratulations. Congrats. I have a couple of questions. You guys can feel free to pick up them at your leisure. The first, yeah. I was hoping to hear your thoughts on the dreaded suddenly and it's slightly more acceptable cousin and then. Basically, I would love to hear your techniques for when you transition from a period of inaction to action. A la the heroes discussing who the murderer is right before an axe embeds itself in the wall. I've always heard advice that suddenly should be avoided, but what do you guys use in its place? I have seen several examples of N dash, and I think you mean an M dash for the record, but that's a separate conversation. Oh, I hate that uh, being so used much. To cut off a thought. What? Oh, no. So, put it right here. We'll get there. We'll get there. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have opinions on that? How do you jump from low to high tension when you can't have a fun soundtrack in the background? But it queuing the boss room. Dun, dun. Okay, let's answer that first. <laughs> yeah, let's do that one first. So, um, 
dear dear listeners, I yeah. should say, because Aaron is doing us the solid of reading the questions and also has a screechy voice, we've all agreed that she wouldn't answer first. So please don't feel like we're jumping all over her her spots today. We're doing it as team. Yeah. Uh, well, what what was your thing about the M dash? Fucking hate M dashes and N dashes. I just ugh. so. <laughs> do you hate that there's two, or do you hate people using them? No, I love using them. I use them. Okay, I was about to say, I'm like, man, right. you have yeah. hated every message like, I've ever sent you. There was a you. moment here yeah. where I was like, okay, this podcast has to break up now. No, no, dramatically. M dash is a glorious piece of punctuation. Well, it, it, it's it, I, I read it's like um, both M dashes, dashes, and semicolons are for ADD people that need to fit extra sentence in their sentence. Listen, shut up. <laughs> yes, I mean, I do the it best all sentences have many sentences within their sentences. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm yeah, I, okay. I have a degree in English. You know, word is I'm a professional writer, and um, I, I, I have um. I'm just not much of a grammarian. Like I'm a functional grammarian. I can mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. A lot of times I can look at something and I can know it's incorrect and not know why. Mm. Uh, in just the Chicago manual of style and people that really get anal about the M dash and dash. I'm like, it's a fucking dash. You know what it's supposed to mean. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I know I, of... Oh, go ahead. As long as it has dash in it and they're like, oh, do you love using that? Yeah. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know one's longer than the other i guess yeah. i don't know it's just so, i i like dashes i because <laughs> I, I have adhd and i need three sentences in one goddamn sentence so <laughs> need more just, sentence sentence. just for the for the viewers and the or the viewers whatever we're talking about the, the <laughs> listeners and trevor um an m dash is the long one you use to to add um sort of like a parenthetical or a, a sub clause um, yep. N dash is really only used for date ranges. And so it's not really something most people have to bother with unless you're writing something that is sort of an academic paper or a technical paper. And if you are using it in a novel, uh, maybe this is lazy, but that's the proofreader's job. Because I don't oh. know how you make an N dash off the top of my head. On Word, I know you do two dashes and then space. That's an M dash. Yeah, that's yeah. an M dash. Yeah. You an N the... dash is shorter, and it's only for date ranges. Like oh. you said, like 1910 can... to 1916, it's... it would have an N dash, not a hyphen, which is to 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 join to uh to join a compound word. And not an M dash, which is to make a let's say a compound sentence. I just um, stared at my keyboard like a real, fucking caveman. Real talk. It's not on there, man. Real talk, hand to God. When I need them, I Google it and then I copy and paste it. I've done yeah. that. Um, I've hundred percent done that. The easiest way to remember them is how an M is physically wider than an N. Yep. So the <laughs> the wider one is the M mm. dash, um, and the Shorter but, one is the N dash. Anywho, though, but for, they're for, both for, dumb. <laughs> for the question at hand, though, um, yeah, yeah uh, for for with the word suddenly, I do try to avoid it in the narration part of it. Um, characters can say it all the hell they want because people say suddenly in normal conversation. Um, but yeah, if, if I'm trying to do something that's like surprising, suddenly just kind of gives it away all of a sudden. And I, I do kind of usually like to go for like the suddenly a new sentence uh, where like I describe one thing. And it's like the ax came out of nowhere or something like that, you know, but better um, <laughs> and do something in those lines. But I will use a dash and just suddenly 
something different is happening and it's sudden and all of that stuff. I think I, that, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. We, I, I minimal, because I'm, I'm trying to think of an example of when I actually did this. I think for me, I would just say what happens now. Like, let, let's, um, like I just watched a show where somebody was like hooray we're saved and the way it was the way it was said and the way the shot was framed i was like oh they're gonna die and then yeah. they immediately get shot like immediately yeah. um so in that case where it's like hey hooray we're saved and i know the person's about to get shot i don't think i would say like suddenly shots rang out i would just skip to the next paragraph and be like shots rang out yeah, I was going to ask that yeah. about scripts. Like, if yeah. there were things like this that are, are frowned upon to see in a script. Nah, because the way... It, it depends. I mean, if you're trying to, like, win awards and stuff and be precious, that's one thing. But, I mean, most of the descriptive stuff, the audience isn't going to know or see. So, it's uh, you're, you're within your right to just say whatever you want. Um, comic books... Bad, I, I remember uh, when I first got into writing comic books, I got my hands on the scripts for Ultimate Spider-Man where he's fighting the Sinister Six. Oh. And it was, very, it was very useful for me because I was able to look um, and compare, like, oh, this is what was on the page and this yeah. is what actually got drawn. And it literally had stuff like Spider-Man looks fucking terrified. I'm like, that's not, <laughs> that's not as much information as you think, but, I mean, I guess it is. <laughs> um, so I, I would say things like, you know, I would just go straight to it's happening or I'd go straight to like they never saw they never saw the gunman before the shot rang out or something like that um, mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily require, um, uh, you know, a done, done, done type thing. Uh... Yeah, I agree. I think that that frequently you can convey a lot of this by just sort of abruptly shifting to the action um that you don't necessarily need to indicate it's happening abruptly or suddenly or after the thing that happened because it's implied um but i do kind of want to point out that the reason that suddenly gets disparaged so much is that it gets overused yeah um it's kind of a way that you see writers uh, sometimes sort of gin up a false tension um yeah by like suddenly this thing happens like Duh. it's like oh now it's exciting but but it'll, but but often it's it, it it isn't something that happens suddenly it's something that happens you know that that interjects the action but it isn't sudden it was happening you know like suddenly he came into the room well okay is suddenly the right word here right um yeah. or you know suddenly a train passed no that train's been passing for a while so maybe, you know, maybe there's a better way to describe this. Um, so, you know, ask yourself, like, is it something that happens suddenly? Is it something that happens? Like, is there a hard shift where suddenly something is happening? Um, because it could be that that's the right word to use. Um, and it's mostly, yeah, a question of like. <laughs> yep. I'm so it's sorry. It's a question of choking to death. Yes. Yep. It's all good. Suddenly she bursts mm -hmm. into a cough. Dun, dun, dun. That was sudden. <laughs> like, is it the right word? Yeah 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 the when it when when it comes to that i like i i i do think that the that suddenly getting a bad rap you're right was because like so many authors used it for so long um but also i mean i i think it's not like oh oh it was an old thing it's a thing everybody does especially like as I you're building like your voice as much anymore i think because people have kind of yeah realized it was a crutch yeah yeah 
it's it's kind of like the adverb thing right like like adverbs Mm. get a bad rap um because it can be a it can be a sign that you're you have kind of weak prose that you're being a little bit vague um that you could be sitting down slowing down and choosing stronger words but the idea that adverbs are automatically bad and the wrong choice uh it mm, i mean no no there are definitely prose styles that rely a lot on adverbs but also on strong nouns and verbs right Stephen king ironically enough whose writing style i hate but writing advice i enjoy says the road to hell is paved with adverbs i'm like that's strong but okay yeah that's that's strong they don't go like they don't go with uh with his writing style for sure yeah but i mean i I, he more than anybody i again i i love his stories and i hate his style like i love i love adaptations of king's work i do not enjoy king's work I, yeah, I do remember the first time I heard about the the adverb thing, and just like, yeah, you really, you really shouldn't do that. And I looked at my writing at the time, which then was fan fiction, and I don't think I had the word said on like two pages, and I just went shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could be talking to anybody, bro. Who knows? I know. I know. Uh, all right. What is the second right, part of their second question? Second part. Uh, the second, much more boring question. I recently listened to the episode addressing the business, and I was wondering if you guys would be willing to share what it's like living in the writing world full time as opposed to having it as a hobby. I would love to hear Aaron's experiences as an editor and how to get started out in a field like that, especially if you originally come from a science background rather than a humanities major. Thank you for keeping this podcast going. I love listening to you guys. It's always a breath of fresh air. Best, hmm. Jade. All right. Well, I mean, uh, you did just nearly cough to death. You want to jump in or you want me to give my two um, cents? Actually, you guys start because I am going to go get a glass of water because I okay. realized I didn't bring that with me. That's fair. So you mm-hmm. answer first and then I'll jump in. Got it. Valid. Uh, you know what? You know what? Now, uh, Trie Four, you you are a professional writer. You're I know. Writer that's now. still so, yeah, weird. Yeah. yeah well, you, why don't you start? Uh, um. Yeah. Like. Because I, I I read through the the questions before sending them over to to Aaron, and when I saw this one, I was like, oh, I get to I have input on this now. That's, that's true. That's Insight. weird. Yep, you live um, in the dream. Yeah, um, yeah. So I've been doing full time writing for Isle Champions for almost a year now. Uh, the the beginning of next month, it'll be a year. But and is. and it's still. It's I'm still kind of getting into the the swing of things because I I have not been writing as much in my free time because I'm spending so much of my time during the week writing uh, yeah. and coming up with things and constantly thinking about those those plots and characters and whatnot. Um, so I I do need to find the the groove of writing uh, during the day and then blocking out time for me to do. Uh, writing because like I'm not gonna I'm not it's not like one of the things that I used to do is I, I would sometimes write during my lunch break uh, and stuff like that and so but now I don't want to go from like okay I'm writing a bunch here lunch break I'm writing a bunch here I go back and I'm writing a bunch like I feel like that's just going to drain me if I do that um, so yeah I mean it it's it I will say this it's very nice that's a very nice problem to have because I get to write yeah. all day so heck yeah yep it's um it is true. I think once you go 
pro at a thing, whatever that thing is, then doing that thing for fun is much harder. Yeah. Um, like uh, it, it, with TTRPGs, I don't have any home games. You know, yeah. like I'm like I because what and it's it's doubly it's like not it's not that this is my work and therefore I don't want to do it. It's like to me, it's like a wasted effort. I'm like, well, turn on the camera because something dubs can happen. You know, like like mm -hmm. we might as well. Um, I think that um, I think the number one thing to remember is that if you are blessed that it becomes your job, it is just that it's a job. Yeah. You know. Um, amateurs wait for inspiration. Professionals go to work. Yep. Um. And uh, and and there was a um, Seinfeld. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld was talking about this. That he, when he was a young comic, he looked at his window and he saw some construction workers going to work in the morning. And he's like, "Well, those guys are going to work, so can I? And I'll just sit at the table and write jokes all day. And that's my job is to write jokes. Um. Once it's your job to write." Some days are going to be better than others, clearly, but because uh, that's just human, and your best looks different day to day. But if your job is to write, then you must write. It's great when you want to write, when you feel like it, when it flows. That's all well and good. Um, but you know, you get to the point you have to squeeze it out, and that's another yeah. part of those things why you see so many people have a great breakout novel, breakout album, breakout screenplay. Because you have forever to whittle at this like pure, beautiful thing and get it to be exactly what you want. And then if you're fortunate enough to succeed, then it's like, hey, great. Give us that again in half the time. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, but I used all my best ideas. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, but I mean, it, it the flip side to that though is it is wonderful. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's definitely stressful at times. I think any freelance life in existence is. Um, but I mean, the sad thing is, no matter what you think, there's no safety in a day job. Uh, look at all mm -hmm. the layoffs that are happening across not just creative oh, industries, me, but all, almost all of them. You know, so yeah, um, it's worth it. It is work. It is effort. It is not just fun. It, it, yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's fun. It's fun with an asterisk. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, like I said, like, it's a nice problem to have, but yeah, it's still at the end of the day, like, like you're saying, like there's some days where it it works and some days it doesn't. I I've, there have been adventures for idle champions that I have written in a single day of work. And then, but those are few and far between. And some days I'm just like, well, this is, uh, I'm, I'm just banging away at this and none of it's feeling right, but I gotta make it work. Mm -hmm. yeah yep. yeah I, I feel like there are times i i say this job stresses me out so badly um i have not made for this but also god i'm so lucky i wouldn't trade it for anything i yeah. completely agree um i think i think in doing it yeah you have to kind of you can't just do it because it feels fun you have yeah. to kind of figure out how to make it happen. i totally agree um I think also it is like it is it is harder and harder to separate what other people think about your work from the creation of the work, um, which is probably my least favorite part about doing this professionally. Um, doing it professionally means that you need other people to want to purchase it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't just not care about that but also for me the more i care about that the worse the stuff i make is mm. um 
and and currently like this is a thing that I struggle with where I'm like writing a book the book before it hasn't come out yet and I have to work very hard to shut up the little voice that goes well, what if they hate book two and you're yeah. writing book three for no reason um that kind of thing you don't have to worry about when it's a hobby you just do it for you yeah. but suddenly everybody's seeing your stuff it's a weird feeling and it's a weird shift um and there is a certain amount that you got to be willing to accept the fact that other people are going to tell you what you need to change um especially if you're traditionally publishing like mm. there there are you know kind of people who know what sells and are going to tell you what they you need to change and you know it is a good idea to listen to them and for some people that's really hard and it can be really really humbling at times um but also you know you'll you'll get people telling you stuff that you can't see for yourself and it's it can be really rewarding because you're like oh well now i understand something i didn't understand before um specifically about being an editor uh so uh it's actually i feel like in a way it's almost easier than ever to get into edit into editing um because freelance editing is a much bigger field than when i was an editor um you have sites like readsy where uh people will sort of host a put out a virtual shingle um and you can you can get editing clients um that is a whole other topic i feel like um but, you know, it is, you know, with so many people uh, doing indie publishing, um, looking for for editors to sort of go through their, their work before it goes out, um, it is a much easier sort of market to sort of get your foot out, get the foot in the door of. Um, I will say, if, if you're a freelance editing, um, you're going to gonna have a lot of interesting clients. <laughs> <laughs> I only did it for a little bit and I realized like it was not something it was the first thing I dropped when I had a kid I was like I can't do all the things I am not doing this anymore mm -hmm. um because it, you know the door is wide open uh you can choose who you take but especially early on you know you might take projects that need a lot of work um but yeah that's I think that is a, a way that you sort of can start out if you if you want to be a fiction editor um, that wasn't really available. I got into it. Um, I think I said in the previous episode, or maybe it was two weeks ago, mm -hmm. um, that I worked for a small press and that was when I moved out here, they were looking for an intern and they posted on Craigslist. And I was just like, um, I love books and I would love to try doing this. And I'm very unhappy with my day job. Um, so sure. And so I was an unpaid intern doing this and I learned a ton and that let me get a paid job as an editor for Wizard of the Coast because because I had a lot of experience doing the sort of nitty gritty things. Um, yeah. And I charmed him in my interview. So I mean, how, how could you not? Let me just interject one little thing that is just very much an addendum. If you can afford to do it, the easiest way to break in is to volunteer to work on some stuff for free. Uh, just say like, hey, I will, I will do it because I'm trying to get experience and pad my pad my resume. You're trying to break in. I'm trying to break in. Um, obviously, you can die from exposure, uh, but the reality is, at least when you're starting out, it's hard to command worthwhile rates when you who have done it zero times are up against people who've done it hundreds of times. Yeah. So you have to have an edge. Sorry, That's true. Aaron, please continue. 
Nope, I was done. That was perfect timing. <laughs> uh, well, then, uh, Jade, I hope those uh, answers uh, uh, were good. I don't know where I was going at that. Jade, I hope that helped you out. Uh, <laughs> if you have any more questions, please write in. I will just say this is this was like one of those message from the universe type things too because I, I'm I'm thinking about relaunching my my Patreon probably oh. sooner than later possibly before you even hear this thing and hey. I was going and I was kicking around today I was like mm, what can I commit to because the last time it just got out of hand it, it yeah. was just yeah. it was just too much to maintain and I was like what can I commit to can I do this can I do that can I do this can I do that and I literally gave myself that exact same gut check that Jerry Seinfeld did where it's like bro. <laughs> you got you got 168 hours in a week like everybody else you know mm -hmm. <laughs> like do the thing and i was like yeah. eh, you're right self <laughs> you're usually right <laughs> so do the thing do the thing all right next one mm -hmm. next one salutations to the triumvirate triumvirate of tangents that is hard <laughs> to say Recently, I and three others have begun work on a sci-fi TTRPG setting. As you would expect, it's full of unique alien species. When thinking about new species, I try very hard to separate our aliens from the humans, but with X or Y trope. In this sense, sexing in a supposed binary and gendering aliens with human ideas feels very presumptuous and probably unlikely. To cut to the chase, when writing these alien characters, I devolt to using they-them as pronouns. My question is, do you beautiful people have any tips or tricks to avoid potentially confusing sentences like, they were excited that they would finally take them to their quarters? With boundless love and respect, Chris. Inject proper names. Yep. They yep. were excited that Johnny the alien would finally take them to their quarters. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I've used uh, this for several characters now, and yeah, it's just it's just restructuring the sentence from where you would think it would normally go. Um, mm -hmm. Like when you know what's going on, I can still probably read that other one and understand what's happening, but I know that some people struggle with that, uh, so I just you know restructure the sentence to kind of make it as clear as possible. Yeah, it's the same problem as if you have two people in a conversation with the same yeah. pronouns, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. He took him to his nouns. quarters. You need yeah. nouns. Yeah. yeah. That was the easy uh, one. <laughs> I, I, I will also say, just as an aside, e, once you venture into science fiction, by definition, you're talking about things that don't exist. Yeah. Uh, almost all life on our planet uh, exists in a sexual binary. Uh, there are asexual reproducing things. I uh, can't think of anything in the natural world that is triple sexed. So it's as good a guess as any. Yeah. Uh, nobody's going to read your thing and be like, that's not a thing. When we've grown up with Vulcans and yeah. Romulans and Klingons and Klingons and Romulans can breed and so can humans and Klingons. And you, you know what I mean? It's just like, nobody's going to be like, that's the part of this that makes the least sense. If anything... If anything, if you get too convoluted in your gender roles, that's the thing that will hang up on people. And it, so a flawed execution is worse than just not addressing it at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, in, in Aliens with the Xenomorphs, we got an alien queen. We've never seen the drones that impregnate the queen. Uh, oh, that's because, that, uh, never yeah. mind. I'm not, right. I, we don't need to go into alien more. Uh, <laughs> right. 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 I really <laughs> almost just jumped in there. Uh, the, the, the face huggers and everything, I get it. But um, it, it, I, I was more of a predator man myself anyway. Right. But you, you get the point. When, when you're like, hey, check this out. 
this thing's lays eggs and those eggs lay eggs and other people. And then the babies come out with the, with the features of both. Everybody's like, K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we're just going to accept what, how you say it is. It's just be consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I played around with at one point when I was working on a, a sci-fi story that had uh, some alien creatures in it of messing around with like pronouns that they used. Um, and I tested it out and it, it never got to be a work that I, I went and started writing. So I, I can't say how well it would work in practice, but I did have fun doing that. Just thinking of like, okay, what, what are the pronouns that they would use and where would they show up and stuff like that? That was a fun exercise. Yeah. What I do think also is a very useful thing to explore is, even though I just said how life exists on our planet, life exists like this as a response to the environmental pressures on our planet, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, me, I straight up believe aliens are real, UFOs yep. are real. I think there's life all over the place. Uh, but I do think a common flaw is that we keep seeing bipedal you know, two arms, two legs, fingers and thumbs, aliens, yep. where I'm like, something's got to be from an ocean. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, get some, get some octopi out here. Heck yeah. But, and what I will say, even though the movie Valerian and the City of a Thousand Worlds was deeply flawed, I heard the book's pretty good. The movie oh, was not. Book. Yeah, it's a comic book, uh, graphic oh, novel, French, right. French graphic novel. Damn. Um, but one thing it does do is show a shit ton of different kinds of aliens. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's all I was saying. All right, ready for the next one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is a long one, so I'm going to break it up. Yeah. Hey, Tangerinos! I am a longtime reader turned soon-time writer, and I am currently working on my first book. I discovered your podcast a couple of months ago, right after I started writing my book, and have been steadfastly trying to catch up. I don't have a degree in English or anything writing-related, so it has been awesome listening to you guys. It has really helped to hear your advice when I am dealing with trying to figure out my story. I have recently hit a bit of a roadblock in my book, and I and would love to get your thoughts on it. I Also, I am only halfway caught up on the podcast, so if you guys have covered my questions before, then this is just me reaching out to say I love you guys. <laughs> Most of my questions deal with multiple POVs and how to paste them correctly. I have a lot of questions, so feel free to summarize and combine as you please. Just for a quick background, my book, first book has two main characters. The first one starts a year-ish before the second, and then intersects with the second one. The first question I have is just a simple, how do you properly pace multiple point of views? I've done a lot of research about pacing and outlining of one point of view, such as following the Save the Cat beat sheet, but I am struggling on, with how to pace multiple. It feels wrong if they follow similar points, point of views because then my book would be hook, hook, then inciting incident, inciting incident, etc. I feel like that would be too repetitive for the reader, so how do I space them correctly? Um, well, first, I want I do want to say this, and this is for all listeners out there. Um, it is okay if you send in a question that we have already talked about on a topic or even another listener question. It We like talking about this stuff, and hopefully you like listening about it, even if it is repeated. Um, and who knows, maybe we have different pieces of knowledge to come out um, each time we talk about them. Yeah, we, um, we, don't, we don't expect you to know all 100 episodes, although ironically enough, if this person is listening in order, they're not going to hear this for a couple of months. But hey, we did fair. answer your question. We did. <laughs> we did. Do we notify people when we answer their questions or do we just like put it out there? And no, let, we just put it know, out there. Yeah. Let, hey, that's such for a treat. I mean, at least that's how it's been uh, when I've written into podcasts. So I hope that's <laughs> how it's supposed to be. 
I mean, <laughs> it's how it is now. That's that's the yep. thing. We get to yep. make our own rules. Yeah. Um. So multiple point of view and and pacing and whatnot. I mean, they are all in the same book. Uh. Yep. So they and they, you know, you kind of need to follow uh the the way that works because it's you yep. know. This is this is where you end up with things like, uh, oh, this character's plot is going. It, it, the 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 climax of this storyline is happening. Uh, end of chapter. Okay, well now we're back with uh, this guy doing his laundry in the river and yep. uh, thinking about his farm. <laughs> yep. Do not want. Uh, I'm happy to jump on this one. Yeah, yeah, go for mm-hmm. it. So one thing with multiple points of view that I would strongly recommend is that you kind of mentally separate um like what is the the whole arc of the book mm-hmm. from what is each individual character arc the character arcs should kind of help shape that whole arc but you're not um they're not they're not entirely separate from it but when you're thinking about things like like where is the inciting incident um ideally that inciting incident is kind of happening all around the same space. Yeah. So right now it sounds like you have sort of like introducing one character, their story starts, they intersect with the second character. And and so that second character is coming into the story. Um, their story needs to fold into that, that full arc, right? So they may not get, you know, maybe their inciting incident for them is just showing up in the story. Mm-hmm. And so it's a quieter moment. It's not, you know, the big beat of the story, um, but they need to fold into that greater arc. Uh, this is where you can kind of get for a novel, you know, it gets maybe a little bit more, um, you know, what is the story about can get a little bit looser. Like this is the story of, you know, the fall of this empire. And so you have these beats that are sort of like, how does this does this kingdom crumble? And then how does each individual story show that happening? You know, that's going to be, you know, a little bit, it's going to be a bigger story. It's going to be a, a story that's sort of spread over more threads than something that is, this is the story of a bank robber and 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 how, you know, this all goes down. And that's fine, um, but it is going to be, going to be a little bit trickier to manage but Mm -hmm. the one thing i would say is that it is going to be like you're saying it is difficult to try to like give each character you know the uh uh uh, you know standard three-act structure that is that is separate from all of that because because yeah it's going to be like a beat a beat a beat um you're going to have to give the character a reason to sort of um engage with the story Something will have to kind of catalyze their their involvement, um, but you know there's 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 value to sort of thinking about those things as pieces of this greater whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plus one to all of that. I mean, again, you look at something like uh, the Lord of the Rings, where it's like the the three act structure of the movie. Well, there's the three act structure of the trilogy, which breaks down to three act structures of the movie, which it's the characters are moving around in the rooms of that structure mm-hmm. you know so it's to to trevor's point you don't get this crazy big rising action and then it's like oh okay and now we're back to our you know cozy cozy dinner yeah. you know um the you can have a rising action and have it come back down of course um you know, in like fact you should so much tension 
Yeah. And that if you're like rising, rising, cozy dinner, I'm like, that dinner's going to get fucked in a second. <laughs> yeah. As long as it does. You know what I mean? Right? As long as no. it does. Yeah. But then if it's just like, nope, everything's really just yeah. okay. Like, you're like, fine. that's uh, mm -mm. again. I don't trust it. I don't trust mm -hmm. it. I mean, before his untimely death, uh, George R.R. R. Martin left some stuff on, uh, on, on uh, cliffhangers that have been cliffhanging for 12 years now. So... You know, in it, within the book, within the so, book, yeah. Be Dave, be Dave. It's thirteen. It's thirteen it now. Thirteen, isn't it? It is thirteen. I thought it was twenty twelve. That book came out. No, it's twenty eleven. Um, <sighs> so yeah, because it, it, I back to what Aaron though was saying about like the the book itself has this plot structure going for it. As long as those things fit under the like imagine like it's like a, a graph and it's got like a little wave going up of it of like the rising action stuff as long as their stories are fitting underneath as long as none of them are going above that rising action out of nowhere you're it's still following along with that overall plot structure and like yeah. aaron was saying about the the inciting incidents there can be something that happens that affects multiple people in completely different ways. It's like the palace was attacked. This main character, uh, their their mom was in it and got killed, and that's his inciting incident. This one over here, oh, he was actually in another land. He's having to go back home now because the palace was uh, attacked. That's his inciting incident of him having to go back. Like you can have things in different ways affect people. I, it also, it occurs to me, I think I brought up at some point talking about writing um, relics of ruin and one of the things that i really struggled with was getting the character arcs to kind of match up mm -hmm. and so for that it is a case of sort of like where are they along this process um you know like a character is kind of um i hate to say is like definitely because obviously there's lots of ways to 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 do this but but you know I like it very much when character has uh, an internal arc. There is some internal obstacle that they have to kind of um, cope with and overcome, and that will allow them to approach an external obstacle. But the external obstacle and the internal obstacle are sort of presented hand in hand in a certain way. They may not be related at first glance, but um, so the issue here is that in Relics of Ruin, you have several character groups sort of that are doing different things to deal with this this murder um and in the process dealing with these sort of internal obstacles and they need to get to a place where the choice to turn toward each other and share information now makes sense and and if they're not all there if they're not all ready to turn toward each other then that moment doesn't work um if if somebody is still feeling wounded and and isolated they're not going to come in and and share and so it's that kind of stuff where, you know, if what you need is for everyone to turn towards the problem, but you are in a place where everybody's not ready to turn towards the problem, then you need to think about that. Now, does this become like, we need to pull this character toward the problem so that they engage? Or is it, you know, oh, actually, I'm going to show a lot by juxtaposing the fact that this character is veering out? Or do you need to change the arc of this character so that they're ready to turn to the problem um, at the same time as everybody else. So like there is that sort of everybody's going through their arcs in a different kind of pace, but like, is that creating the shape, the greater shape of the story yeah. that you're aiming for? Also like leaving some, like making it so that maybe this person doesn't have as many chapters 
in this part because they had their rising action there. Everyone else is having their, so maybe like characters having two chapters back to back or, you know, swapping out stuff, but that one's still hanging back there until we get to a certain point later on where their uh, rising action is in flow with everyone else. Uh, and remember, not everybody has to have the um, equal amount of screen time and development. Yeah, yeah. You know? Ultimately, 100%. there's one main character. Yep. People like to argue about that, but it's true. Oh, and for the record, it was Jon Snow. Because <laughs> <laughs> people are always like, not in Game of Thrones, like Jon Snow, Pippin. <laughs> she literally starts and ends with him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Building on the second question, how would you go about pacing POV with different timelines that offset? For example, my first POV starts a year before my second, and then they intersect, but not at the same point along their character arc. I am hoping to have the plot twist of my second character be the victory of my first. So any advice on how to pace that correctly? You know, uh, this they said this was their first novel, didn't they? Mm -hmm. This might be ambitious. <laughs> I'm not saying don't do it. Yeah. This might be ambitious. You 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 are doing a lot here. Uh, but but I'll I'll let Aaron say what she was gonna say because um this the well I I was gonna say I'm gonna let Aaron say what she says and then I'm just gonna keep talking. So I'm just gonna stop talking and let Aaron say what she's gonna say. Um, I think I don't quite understand the question. Um, well, but so, I, so... I, because 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 the plot twist of the second character being the victory of the first is the part I don't quite understand what that means. Yeah. I, I'm I'm more focused on the like one starts a year um before the other one. Mm -hmm. Um and, and then eventually and they cross over. So one of them I has do... a shorter amount of time. Yeah. Chronologically. And I guess this is my question. There's a couple of questions that, that this provokes for me. One is what does that mean in terms of page count? Like how many words are you spending with the first character before you switch to the second? Before you bring in the second? Is this a chapter or is this, you know, your first act? Um, because I think the shorter that time period is, the easier it's going to be. And then it also becomes sort of like, you know, if that first character is well along their arc, when the second character comes in, but you would like the second character to also have a full arc, um, what is the relationship between those two characters? And so why are you doing this? Like, what is, what are you bringing in? Um, my mind immediately goes to you have a mentor-student relationship. Um, and in that case, you don't really need to build the mentor's whole, just as an example, if this is not what you're doing, you don't need to build the mentor's whole career to show this time period where they have this relationship with this student. And by having that relationship, they, you know, they grow and change as their student grows and changes. Like, that's my big question is why do you have these two POVs in the same book if the second POV is not going to impact the first? Um, because ideally, when you have multiple points of view, they are, you know, even if they're separated, they are influencing each other in the way that the story is told. You have paralleling themes. You have, you know, uh, um, events that might cross, you know, crossover and affect each other or they are characters that are in the same space and story whose <laughs> experiences and development are directly impacting each other is you guys have heard yeah I, um yeah, mm -hmm. yeah the, in my head this is 
in my head this is one character is traveling and the other one is staying in one place like that is what i see as the reason for like there being a year beforehand i could be wrong i don't know what you're writing but if if that is the case one one of the things is unless there are big events going on i don't think you actually really need to call attention to time if someone's traveling you can you can start saying it's like oh that travel took months or something like that showing that time has progressed for this character while the other one may not be and you know that might start making people wonder like what are the the timelines and so when they cross over boom there it is we've got it um Hey, I'm going to talk about George R. R. Martin here, but like in a good way. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I do like about his stuff is that um, everyone's timelines are completely jumbled and they aren't exactly happening at the same time because like in the second book, Tyrion's in King's Landing the entire time. He's not traveling anywhere, uh, yep. but um, the other characters are going on months long journeys and we're keeping up with them in the same time that we're keeping up with Tyrion. I don't think it, it specifically matters uh, that one is taking place earlier than the other one until that moment where they meet up. Um, yep. and, and then you can be like, oh yeah, I've been traveling for like a year or, you know, whatever they've been doing for a year, uh, yep. to kind of establish that what you started reading was not in sync with where this other character started in time. Um, I, I, that, that's kind of my advice with that. I don't, I don't think this is as big of a deal as you, as you think it is. Um, and to give it a shot without that worry, without worrying about the constraint of telling people what time is here and there. Agreeing on all points. I will say though, um you suppose because you haven't heard every episode, so you may or may not heard us drone on about this, me in particular. I'd say be mindful of two things. Be mindful of your theme. What are you trying to mm -hmm. say with this entire story? The these characters are pieces on a chessboard to communicate your greater meaning. So I guess more accurately, they're letters that you will use to make words and sentences to communicate your greater meaning. And be mindful of your overall structure of the narrative, of the order of the sequence of events that are going to happen in a way that logically has a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, I think as long as you're looking from the top down, some of these questions will answer themselves. But what I'll tell you, the answer is not every character gets exactly 12 pages, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not what the answer is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully last question. Do you have any advice on how to nestle smaller character arcs or plots in larger ones? I am planning on my first character, first main character, having an overarching theme slash plot of some people don't deserve your respect. It's okay not to give it to them over the course of multiple books. But I would like for him to have a smaller arc slash plot of don't lose who you are while pursuing what you want in my first book. Any advice on how to foreshadow plot and link those two arcs together? I'm worried about the smaller arc falling flat because it doesn't hold the same weight as the larger arc because the smaller arc is leading to the larger one. I hope that makes sense. That's all for now, I think. I just want to say that I absolutely love listening to you guys, and I can't wait until I am all caught up. Sincerely, Colin. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. Um, I think I got this one. Okay. 
I, yeah, I was getting lost <laughs> in my own thoughts. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, okay, so here's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, for me, these sorts of themes are the thing I decide after I've written the first draft, for the record. Mm. Um, but there is a sort of general trajectory. When you're doing a series, in my experience, you are moving your character forward a little bit. And so ideally, those small character arcs add up to the big one. Um, you know, uh, like in Brimstone Angels, like in the first book, Farida sort of learns to not sort of not to hide herself, right? But in the second book, you know, she's you know, she's not figured out quite how to do that. In the first book, she's like, oh, we should stay locked up in our room. People will get, like, uncomfortable when we're running around. Like, I cannot possibly tell anybody I'm a warlock. This is just a bad idea. Um, and then through the events of that, the next book, she's like, no, I have these powers. I'm not going to try to get rid of them. And I am who I am. Um, mm -hmm. But she still ends up kind of getting attention from the wrong people, right? Mm -hmm. But also standing up for herself more. Um, and so there is this arc where she kind of accepts and embraces who she is. She recognizes that while from the outside people will see her choices as potentially selfish and power hungry, she knows why she did it. And she knows what she's aiming for. And so she doesn't care um, because she, what she is trying to do is is help the most people possible. And so this is this larger trajectory of sort of like, I don't know, like self-actualization in a way, but just also like believing in who you are, right? And so this like, this this whole thing is maybe not visible if you read the first book because you would never try to do all of that in one book. Or you, I mean, I guess you could, but you wouldn't be doing it with as deep a dive in the character and you wouldn't be doing it in a story that is that size. So you have this greater arc that you want to do. Great. So like, what's the first step in that, in that journey, right? To sort of, you know, and where do you start where that is a, a series long arc? Because recognizing that, you know, it's some people don't deserve your respect and it's okay not to give it to them. For a person who's like, you know, functioning at a normal level of sort of self-esteem and interaction, this doesn't feel like a huge leap. So to me, that says your character is starting somewhere else. And so if you are starting to at a point where you think you owe everybody, you know, respect, you feel like you are at the bottom of this, this social hierarchy, you must do these things, then what's the first step out of that? And, and so, and it might be that like that starts to sort of take different forms, right? Like, Fire in the Blood is a lot about Farida, like, realizing she could have a normal relationship. She can have friends that are not her family. Like, these things are not taken from her because of the way she's, you know, been brought up and the choices she's made. And that's still along this arc, but it's, you know, it's kind of fun, like, you know, hanging out and going on fake dates and stuff. <laughs> um, so there's, like, beats inside this, this bigger, bigger arc of the story that you can kind of pull out and those become the individual arcs. I don't think that I could add anything onto that that uh, would uh, make that better than it is. Because, yeah, that's... Theme is one of those things that 
that is like everyone was saying that is something that um i also kind of leave for looking back at a draft and going like okay this is what i have left myself but also with the overarching one because this person's talking about doing one over several books like there there are things that characters can do and not notice it and not really even get maybe maybe not even really get noticed by people but the but characters remind them of like it's like hey you're doing that thing again or some something along those lines maybe not that blunt but it's not until the character has that realization and that change that that is really coming to the forefront for it um so foreshadowing it can just be by doing it and maybe it's not a big problem at the time but later on in the series that is a problem and that does need to get changed and that character does need to work through it yeah. Any thoughts there, B. Dave? Um, yeah, I think a lot of this, a lot of this, just sort of comes out organically over time. You know, I don't think it's so much that they for sure need to have developed this far by the end of book one, and they for sure need to have developed this far by the end of book two. I think the character story, like the greater story, have a beginning, middle, and end. And they should be different people by the time the story ends. Or not different, if that's a tragedy. I mean, for the most part, I think if you don't change at all, that's a sad outcome. Uh, especially if it ends up costing you something. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't stress so much about, you know, he has to learn how to ask for help by the end of book one. He has to be able to know love by the end yeah. of book three. Yeah. You know? For sure. Especially because the more it's a Jenga tower and the more you keep stacking on, I've got to keep track of this. I got to keep track of this. I got to keep track of this. Not only is it going to be difficult for you to execute as an author and you may well do it, even if it's your first book, you perhaps you're a prodigy. I don't mean that facetiously. I mean, really, you might be able to pull it off, mm -hmm. but the more complex your thing gets, the harder and less accessible it is going to be for the readers and when you're a debut novelist and you're trying to get people to give you a chance, to give you a chance with something that is really complicated is then going to make that harder. Yeah. Um, anyone else got okay. any thoughts on that one? Okay. Well, I think, well, I think that... I think that is a good place to wrap things up because we are out of questions. And we also don't want to uh, work too much on Aaron. Thank you for reading those. We very much appreciate it. Yes, so, thank you for not dying. <laughs> uh but uh yeah that's gonna do it for this week's episode thank you all so much for listening uh friends where can people find you and what some things you're working on you know what go back to the last episode listen to the end that's my answer that's fair do I that voice do it i like yep. it yep. what about you be uh, you know what in solidarity i have nothing else to say either except visit my website theundisputedacademy.com and maybe patreon.com forward slash b dave walters click on it see if something happens see if something happens just do it you know what that's gonna be my that's gonna be mine too go 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 click on that see see what happens be surprised uh that's gonna do it for this week's episode thank you all so much for listening uh if you have uh any uh questions uh like the awesome people who wrote in today you can send this into writing about dragons shit at gmail.com uh if you enjoyed this episode the best way to support is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice and telling your friends about the show uh if you'd like to keep up to date on the show you can follow us on blue sky now everyone can um uh, at, at about dragons but until next week go right about some dragons and shit